Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Transformation podcasts. In today's episode, we will be discussing resilience and performance mindset. I am delighted to welcome Luke Tybersky, an athlete, performance coach, and endurance adventurer. Luke, welcome to the show. It is absolutely a pleasure to be here with you, Susie, and I'm excited to chat with you. Likewise, it's a pleasure to have you. Luke, you had dreams of becoming a professional footballer, and you achieved those dreams until you had to retire in your 20s. And you have since also taken on some physically and mentally grueling feats, um, like toughest ultra-endurance challenges and things like that. We'll come back to that later. But you now work with teams, organizations, and leaders to increase their mental performance and strengthen their minds, but also their focus. So to enable optimal performance, but also well-being. We were discussing a bit before the show, and you were telling me about your story And I would love for you to share a bit of your story with us and what inspired you to actually work on this subject today with teams and organizations and individuals in organization. Yeah, I'll I'll give you the brief version because uh, (laughs) my my story can get a little bit long-winded. I've I've had many lives, as I say, but uh, you you touched on it there as, as as a child. The only thing I ever wanted to do was to be a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Australia. Obviously, we called it soccer there. And yeah. that's all I ever wanted to do. And I was very driven from a young age, not because I had pushy parents or not because I had a soccer player, dad or uncle, anyone, mentor, really. It was just a sport that I played that I loved. So mm. I had my first love as kicking the ball around. And the reason why I want to bring this next part up is it, it makes sense for th- throughout the rest of my my life was my parents installed a couple of traits in me that have really helped me get to where I am today. And mm-hmm. also there've been threads that I've pulled on my entire life and now in my coaching and my speaking. And one is that of curiosity. Mm-hmm. My parents were always encouraging for me to try new things, you know, climb higher on a tree. But <laughs> also understand that with your curiosity, sometimes there can be a point where it can become detrimental. So the first point that they, they in, trait they installed in me, and, and, and I, I don't think it was intentional, it was just that they wanted their kids to be curious. I have a sister and she was the same way. And, and the second one was, and this is something that's really stuck with me, and also it's, I have been told by a few people that it can be co- controversial, that just because you work hard doesn't mean that you'll be successful. Mm, it's all about the definition of success, isn't it? One's own definition of success, I mean. Yeah, exactly. And just because you are putting the work in, just be, and you know, bottom line, life isn't fair. So mm. if you're if you're putting in, you know, 16, 18 hour days every day for you know years, doesn't mean that you're going to achieve what it is you set out to achieve. But if you don't work hard, this is the thing that they used to sort of follow up with. If you mm. don't work hard then your chance of success drops significantly. Mm. So it was those two points that my parents installed with me very early on. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional. Hard work one, yes, but the mm. curiosity one, not so much. And I traveled around the world playing football and I never played in any top leagues. I played in the lower level leagues. Yeah, played in Australia, the USA, Belgium, and a little bit in the UK. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 28, after a battling with 
physical injuries and also my mental health declines, um, mm-hmm. battling with depression, insomnia. Twice I didn't want to live anymore and stood on tops of bridges, wow. wanting to take my own life. Mm-hmm. And I decided to retire when all that was going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, this sounds crazy, but I did what I thought was a, a good idea at the time. <laughs> um, sign up to one of the world's toughest ultra endurance challenges, which is named the Marathon de Sabs, where you run six marathons in seven days through the middle of the Sahara Desert. Wow. <laughs> and started this new career of mine that was being an adventurer, going around mm. the world, doing these big challenges and writing books about them, which I've done, have documentaries made about these challenges, which I've had made, and standing on stages all over the globe, sharing the journey that I've been on through these challenges. Mm. Now, here is where my life, I don't want to say pivoted, I, I realized that I could make a bigger impact and it started to move in a different direction was yeah, it's great to have these films made and do these adventures and write books and talk about my adventures. But what I realized was when I would speak on these stages at events and at corporate uh, events as well mm. and, and different sort of days that they had on, was people would ask me, yeah, okay, you're able to run hundreds of miles and cycle days on end and swim between continents, but how do you do it? And I would come up with sort of like an off-the-cuff answer as, you know, you've, you've got to be determined, you've got to work hard. And then I realized, hang on, I need to dig a little bit deeper here. How do I actually continue to push myself physically and mentally, even in preparation for these big events, and then when I'm doing them? Mm. And I realized that the way that I view the world, think on a daily basis, which then enables me to take action, isn't how everyone else did because mm. I didn't view myself or think of myself as anyone different to anyone else I met. But when I was started to do these keynote talks many years ago, I realized people, not everyone thinks the way that I do. So mm. I went on this direction to share the knowledge that I've gained through being a professional athlete, through playing all around the world, overcoming obstacles and adapting to setbacks. And then through my ultra endurance um, career, that's been the last 10 years, when things get really tough, how do I then continuing to take one step forward in that moment? And I've been able to translate that into day-to-day tools Mm -hmm. uh, steeped in sports psychology, performance psychology, because I love that topic. And you and me dove, both. <laughs> yeah, I've dove into that a lot over the last sort of 10, 15 years. And but I've come up with ways that I can translate that into pretty much all industries because I've spoken to companies, individuals, teams, non-sporting teams, but also mm. sporting teams all over the world to help them overcome obstacles and adapt to setbacks while seeing these opportunities on a daily basis that they may have missed otherwise. Mm. It's well, it's great, isn't it? Because for me, we're back to curiosity. So, getting using curiosity again to sort of operationalize and understand something and then serve others with it. I love it when you talk about, you often say it's about the conversations we have with ourselves. Can we just spend a little moment on that, getting curious about that? What does that actually mean for you, Luke? And how do you translate it for people? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I do. I do. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm setting myself up here. Um, 
I do this piece in a lot of my keynote talks when I, when I start to talk about self-talk and we know it's, it's proven through a lot of psychology mm. that self-talk can help improve performance. And we will talk about definitions and what performance mm. means later. So we'll just park that there. But we can improve our performance through self-talk. Yeah. And I will say to people, put your hand up if you talk to yourself on a daily basis. And I'm sure everyone puts their hand up, no? <laughs> no, the thing is, oh, wow. I've done hundreds and hundreds of talks all over the world in all different countries and different you know, cultures. Not everyone puts their hand up. How interesting. Because some people think they don't talk to themselves. And I will, and I will set it up on stage walking mm, around and mumbling things to myself. <laughs> and I'll say, well, all of, you who did, all of you who didn't put your hand up, Right now you're talking to yourself because you've just told yourself, no, I don't talk to myself. Mm -hmm. So we all have that inner dialogue, whether yeah. we consciously admit it or hear it or, or acknowledge it more mm -hmm. so is up to the individual. But what self-talk can do, it's almost like, you know, a lot of people go to therapy and a lot of people have counsellors and it's that conversation back and forth. I find it's a great first step to either going to see someone if you know you're battling with a problem whether that's mental mm. physical or even just simply like you you're struggling with a work problem because getting out of your own head and actually having that conversation and saying the words out loud or even just to yourself consciously choosing the conversation that you're having mm. with yourself rather than letting those thoughts that you have in the back of your mind dictate that conversation so I'll say that again consci consciously choosing the conversation that you're having with yourself Mm. instead of letting the thoughts dictate the conversation you're having will then set you up to be able to see what you are looking at from a different perspective and mm. a really simple exercise that i want to share with all the listeners is this every morning after you've brushed your teeth or whatever in the bathroom give yourself 30 seconds and just talk to yourself and go through your to-do list for the day mm -hmm. whatever it is it could be really simple travel to the office, do this, have that meeting, have that meeting, have some lunch, but just go through what you plan to do for the day, speaking out loud. Mm -hmm. Over time, you will start to dive a little bit deeper. And over time, you'll get to a point where you're like, so how am I going to start that conversation with made up name here, Tom at the office, mm -hmm. because it's going to be a little bit of an awkward one. So mm -hmm. how am I going to approach it? And you're speaking out loud, you're hearing it, you're going through this process of trying to figure out how you're going to start this conversation with Tom. So that self-talk is actually allowing you to give you a platform to mm. help serve you to achieve what it is you're trying to accomplish that day. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because that's not seen as a normal way of working, if you like. I, I think particularly on the conversations you have with yourself, but also the conversations you have, what I call courageous conversations with peers or colleagues or family members, we're still on a taboo there, aren't we, in terms of society, but also in terms of organizations and peers and, and leaders. You know, they, they don't necessarily share. And, you know, if you don't feel well, you go to the doctor physically. But mentally, it seems to still be shrouded in this weakness taboo around whether you can or you should share it or not. What's your thoughts on that? Vulnerability is a superpower no one can take from you. Mm. That is that is something that I've realized over the last probably 
five or six years. Mm. Uh, it's something I, I sign a lot of my books with mm. <laughs> um, to, to give people something to think about. And what I mean by that, and, and, I, and I don't just want to sort of say that off the cuff as, mm. a, as a quote, I want, I want to give it context and meaning and, and how people can actually achieve being vulnerable with their truth. Because it's like, yeah, how do I talk about my, my inner thoughts to others? And how do I go deep with those inner thoughts with others who maybe I know well or don't know so well? Mm. But it's like anything. I, I, come this from a, I come to this from a sporting background. So, you know, I work with what I say is corporate athletes mm-hmm. and, and, like and the people who are in the corporate world who yeah. are quite literally, I want to make them think like athletes because with athletes, who are training their mind to achieve their physical performance, they don't see a problem Mm. as a significant end. They're like, Mm. okay, how can I pivot? How can I change? It's not like, oh, well, that's not going to work. And then go into a negative frame of mind because on the sporting field, seconds matter. So they have to be able to pivot immediately. So these tools, they have to be ingrained in athletes. And that's what I try and do in the corporate world. And I've done for many years. So to go back to being vulnerable, it's something that you've got to practice on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. how do you practice being vulnerable? Well, as soon as we say the word vulnerable, vulnerability, most people that I've found will put a, a negative slant on that. Automatically, it's like being vulnerable is negative. Being vulnerable mm-hmm. is speaking about things that aren't going well. It's a bias, isn't it? It's a bias that we have. Exactly. Exactly, Susie. There is that bias. Mm-hmm. but. How about we start with something that's a little bit easier with let's be vulnerable with our truth on a daily basis, even when it's a positive. So when I work with individuals and, and, and corporations, I get people to practice this on a daily basis. When someone asks you, how are you that day? Actually tell them. Yeah. If you are great, if you are absolutely fabulous, when someone says, Luke, how are you today? If I have no worries in the world and I am great, I will say, you know what? I'm absolutely fabulous. Thanks. How are you? Mm. And you do that consistently over each day. Now, the next day, I might just be good. And I say, I'm good. Thanks. But practicing being vulnerable with your real truth is something that's going to be like a skill and you get better at it. So then when you're having a bad day because of maybe some personal issues and someone says, how are you today? You don't have to share your, your inner thoughts and, and, and what you're going through at home or, or internally, but you just say, oh, I'm just having one of those tough days with a few things at home. You know, I'm going to try and work through it. Mm. Uh, I've, I've got some things set up of what I'm going to do later, but yeah, just had a bit of a rough day. How are you? And what will happen over time is you'll become more comfortable of sharing your vulnerability of simply how you're feeling, whether mm. that's absolutely fabulous, good, or just having a bit of a rough day. Don't mm. have to go into it, but that is a way of training your vulnerability and sharing how you are being vulnerable. And mm. the more we can do that, then I feel like we can remove this sort of stigma of not talking about how we feel or not talking about actually what's going on internally. And as I as I said, that that quote is being vulnerable is a superpower no one can take from you because you are always in control of that. Mm. So I feel like that is something that a lot of the world can, especially the people who I work with, can do a lot more of. And thank you for sharing that because it's so simple. 
but it goes against I remember doing an experiment once just for myself everyone saying hi how are you hi how are you and instead of saying oh I'm fine thanks you I said no actually I'm not too good and the person three people I spoke to just just carried on because they were expecting the answer. I'm fine. Thanks. And it was just a perfunctory question that they were asking without listening to the answer. And I remember thinking then, wow, okay, maybe they don't really want to know. And that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? So in building that muscle individually, you're also creating a habit in other people where they will have to stop and listen. So I really like that. Whether they do or not, you can't, you can't control that. Really? Yeah. So where I feel the real power in that exercise is if you become more comfortable, mm. stronger, because you're practicing, you're, you're strengthening that muscle of mm. being vulnerable, then you can take that anywhere. So yeah. then if you have an opinion, so you start off, you start off with simply how you're feeling, mm. but then at work and you're in, in an office, in a, you know, in a high-powered job or, or wherever it is, if you have an opinion or if you have a thought, Guess what? Because you've been practicing your vulnerability with people saying, how are you? And you actually giving that, you will feel more comfortable. You'll be stronger sharing your and being vulnerable with giving your true inner thoughts mm. in a meeting, which may cause some friction, but you know, it's going to be for the greater good. So we start small with, hey, how are you? And giving your true feeling, but practicing that vulnerability muscle can then help you in different settings when, as you said, having those tricky conversations with your family or even actually voicing your opinion and your thoughts on yeah. something that's happened at work. Yeah, because I think that so many people go through these work situations and they don't dare or they don't or they can't express themselves uh, for whatever reason because they don't they're not allowed to or they don't want to or the person isn't listening. But we're back to the idea of resilience, aren't we, for a corporate athlete? <laughs> I like the way the term corporate athlete because resilience is so important, physical, of course, but also mental. So how do you see that playing out in performance and performance management systems and organizations today? A, a lot of them are, are dated, slightly restricted, and not really evolved over, over decades. I, as I said, I come from this from a sporting perspective, mm. and I bring that element, which is why I think a lot of people who hire me like that because mm. I'm coming at it from bottom line. Yeah. We want to gain results mm. yeah, from a performance perspective and whatever, whatever the targets are of the organization or the individuals. So, but things haven't really evolved from, from my time and, you know, in sports psychology and performance psychology, you see progress in players and individuals mm. who grow throughout their career because they're constantly practicing these different techniques and science, you know, sports psychology or performance psychology, call it whatever you want, is always looking at different ways, solidifying thoughts and solidifying ideas of how to perform better. However, many organizations aren't really willing to to risk, which I understand from a bottom line perspective, investing money and time to implement new or evolutions of their culture, which is where it starts. Mm. Yeah. Right? Takes too it's long. Got, <laughs> it's got to be the culture. Yeah. It takes too long. We've got to get a return on this. Takes too long. And even implement new systems to encourage employees in how they, and I'll use my definition of mindset, how they view, think, and act on a daily mm. basis. Mm. What I see is there's a lot of box ticking exercises 
but not a whole lot of out of the box doing, mm. um, if that makes sense. So I like I, I have answers to 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 fix some problems, but not all. But at the same time, is there is still that resistance, especially from big organizations. And I've mm. had some experience with this where I've gone in and, and I've delivered workshops and talks and I've had great results from it, great feedback, and I've been asked to return. Mm. And at the same time as I've delivered four or five pitches to big organizations to do these big shifts, spent a lot of time and effort. And then for them to say, oh, we're going to pivot and go in a different direction because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, you had this idea that you wanted to change, but in reality, you didn't actually want to implement it for mm. whatever reason. So yeah, I the ones that are going to move forward and continue to progress in this world that we live in as of today mm. are the ones that are looking to change their culture and improve their employees from an individual, from a humanistic perspective and then from a personal, professional performance perspective. I think that's why it's hard, though, isn't it? Because change is hard and it is an inside job. And I think, you know, there's now quite a lot of buzzwords around human-centered ways of working and, um, you know, employee experience. But it's essentially about that. And it's hard and it's fundamental change. But just to come back to the idea of mindset, can you define for me what a performance mindset is then for you? Yeah, performance mindset for me is, as I said, my definition of mindset is how we view, think, and act on a daily basis. So whatever we see in front of us, mm. that will dictate how we think. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter what it is, who mm-hmm. it is, what it is, any situation, scenario, outcome, individual, whatever it is, how we, how we see it and how we view it will dictate our thoughts. Mm. And we know through science, our thoughts will then determine our actions yeah so which is what i always sort of come back to is my definition of mindset is how we view think and act on a daily basis and the performance mindset is well we are all high performers right every single person in the world is a high performer it just depends if we actually act on it because if you think about it let's go a really really simple example is if you do a test at school and say you get 70% and every test you get 70%, 70%, then all of a sudden you start getting 75 and 80%, well, then straight away you're a high performer. Mm. Well, let's, let's, let's drop it right down. Let's say you, you constantly get 50 to 55% on your tests and then all of a sudden because you're through study because of work, you start getting 55 to 60. Mm. Now, the people who are getting 80% and not studying might look at the person getting 60% now and go, well, they're not a high performer. But in their world, they were getting 50 to 55%. Now they're getting 55 to 60. They are high performers because they are performing at their highest level. They are increasing their performance from what they've previously done. Now, that is a really basic example of why, of my, why I say everyone is high performers if they are achieving results constantly progressing, moving forward in whatever it is they do. So the performance mindset is simply being able to consciously acknowledge setbacks, situations, and scenarios that are in front of you Mm. and apply tools to minimize their effect or increase your overall performance. Which is why I disagree with labels like high performers that you have in 
in the talent programs and organizations because like you say everything's relative so it, yeah. it depends whether it's cognitive performance only it depends what they were like before it depends on what you're measuring um, so I really like the idea of bringing it back down to the individual and the fact that Luke, we can all act on it can't we we can all act okay. on our, our potential for performance I won't name name the company's name but I was working with a sales team last year actually and they said, oh, we've got a mix of our top salespeople mm-hmm. and our sort of new recruits and, you know, sort of the ones that are just sort of ticking along. And I asked them more. I was just like, you know, put your hand. It was virtual. I said, put your hand up if you're, if you're one of the top performers. So I said, yeah, put your hand up if you made more sales each month for the last six months than you did the previous one. And one or two left their hand up and the rest didn't. So I said, okay, all the people who are new, are you increasing your sales month after month after month? Put your hand up if you do, if you are. And they all put their hand up. And I was like, okay, so all of you people who have your hand up right now, you're actually the highest performing sales people in the organization, even though their actual gross sales are a lot less. But I'm like, you guys are performing at the highest level you can be because you are constantly growing. Whereas these other people, they're not getting more and more each month. I know this is a really simplistic way of putting it, mm. but it's a shift in mindset mm. of the people who are making a lot of the sales, but they're not progressing month after month. They're like, wow, like I thought I was performing at my highest level, but I'm actually not because I'm not increasing my sales. Mm. How can I now do that? Curiosity. Yeah. And the, and the newcomers and the people who are just starting off in the sales team, they're like, okay, well, I've got to keep working hard and I've got to keep doing what I'm doing and I've got to maintain that that progressive arc and keep trying to figure out new ways to you know gain more sales if that starts to plateau out. So mm. it's that shift in how they view themselves, how they think about what they're trying to achieve and then what it is they're actually implementing on acting whether it's verbal mm. or physically to achieve mm. their sales targets. So that's just a small example of how that is actually applied in mm. the real world. It's back to the focus though, isn't it? About getting them to really hone into and maybe get into a state of flow where they can actually create performance for themselves and focus on what they want to do and how. I mean, we first met during the pandemic on these discussions on mental health and burnout and things like that. What effect are you seeing from the pandemic today on performance mindset, if you like? Has it given people the time to sit back and actually focus and think or the opposite? Somewhere in between. Because mm. I feel like there are a lot of individuals and organizations who haven't completely accepted the, the landscape of the world yeah. and, and the business world and how it has changed and is going to change. Mm. So what I mean by that is, I think a lot of people are waiting for things to go back to how they were pre-pandemic. But I feel like there has been too much of a shift and and just too much of a change in how people work, how people are living their lives. Mm. To we're, we're too far forward to go completely back. Yeah, and completely, yeah. there are there are both positives and negatives to that. So I think the perceptions of what is normal now within the corporate 
world and even in daily life, mm. I think it's still settling. We, mm. we haven't, it's like anything like a, a, or tornado, a tornado or a cyclone can go through a town and when it's going through the town, it's all mayhem. But then when it leaves, you've actually got to go around and go, okay, like look at the damage and then you think, okay, yeah, like the house is still standing. Okay, the fence has been blown down. Okay, we need to fix that. But then you've also got to go inside of your, and this is obviously a metaphor, go inside your own home mm. and look at what has actually been damaged maybe that we can't initially see. Mm. And then we have to say, well, what are we actually going to fix? What is actually important to us? And what can we just sort of let not, you know, mm. what can we not need to spend our time and effort to try and fix? So. I think we're in that stage now where hopefully, fingers crossed, touch with all the rest of that, is that maybe we're at the back end of it. I hope not so. quite at the stage where we've got mm. to now see where the dust settles. I think we're still not quite completely finished, but we're at the back end of it now. And I think over the next maybe 12 months, we'll get to that point where now we have to survey how the dust settles, so to speak. What does it actually look like to perform in the corporate world in 2023 and mm. what does it actually mean to be an individual living in whatever country that you're living in in 2023 and what is important to me in my own individual and personal life in 2023 and then trying to work towards accomplishing that it's almost mm. like a reset and how would you what would a recommendation be for organizations looking to create a space for that reset or to um, encourage or empower that reset? Hire me. <laughs> <laughs> Over and above hiring you. <laughs> no. Um, well, yes, but at the same time, uh, look, I, I think we have to look at the performance of corporations and companies from a humanistic level. Mm. I work with individuals as well as, as companies and whenever I do my work with the individuals especially from a leadership perspective is looking at humans first mm. and then it's almost like humans first and then your personal and professional ambitions are intertwined yeah. so can we can we connect on a human level and I think the culture of a lot of corporations will come into question now Definitely. after or you know, at the back end of this pandemic and what's, mm. what's been happening. So I think it's a case of how can we, what's the right phrase? How can we create an environment for these individuals mm. to feel comfortable to then express themselves, be themselves, and create an opportunity for them to to grow out of this phase of life that we've been through. And I think the ones who are open and willing and curious about change and are not hoping or, or wishing and dreaming for things to, to go back to somewhat to what they were post-pandemic, because as I said, from an individual level, mm. people have just changed because yep. of this experience that we've all had. So I think organizations need to see okay what we've previously done may have worked but the world the landscape have changed we still don't know what that looks like but how can we really take care of our employees from a human perspective and then give them some more tools or give them ways of 
trying to continually be those high performers, be their best on a daily basis so that then they will want to continue growing as an individual, not just from a professional perspective, but also from a personal perspective as well. And it's not easy to do, but no. it's those companies who are willing to, to be curious and, and, and try something different mm. are the ones that I think will give them the best chance of seeing different results in a mm. positive way. So we're back to curiosity again, aren't we? And, and just coming back to curiosity, you know, uh, time is running, but I do have another couple of questions for you. And one of them is me cur- being curious about what's the most transformational part of your journey so far, because you've been through some extreme experiences. You've been through a lot of learning, you've been through a lot of formalization of this learning, and you're now putting it at the service of other people, which is brilliant. What, what would you say is your main, the most transformational part of that journey? Wow. Just a small question for the end. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I feel like every ultra endurance challenge that I do, I I have some sort of transformation through that. Mm. I I tell people, well, I get asked all the time, why do I do these big physical challenges? And and these days it's because that's where I go and learn about Mm. myself. But I think the biggest shift that I've had through transformation was – in 2015, I went. I created and went out to complete a 2,000-kilometer triathlon from Morocco to Monaco, where I wow. swam between Spain and Africa. And that's wow. ridiculous. <laughs> Cycled the entire southeast coast of Spain before running from the Spanish-French border to Monaco, wow. all in 12 days. I had a very small crew of four people um, come out and help me. And we went out and did that. It's never been done before. It's never been done since. Mm. Um, there are many reasons why. <laughs> but it was at the end of this, this big challenge. I was physically broken. I had torn muscles. I was adrenally fatigued mm. because of the years building up to this, that mm. I was battling with my mental health very badly. I, I, I hid it from the world. I hid it from my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. I hid it from everyone and I was just mm. really ashamed about it and didn't quite understand it. And my way of dealing with it was train more and just get on with it. Mm. Not healthy at all. So that is context. I went out and then did this 2000 kilometer in 12 day triathlon and it completely ruined me physically and mentally. And I was left quite literally curled up in a ball, weeping in my back garden just because mm. I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to live anymore. I was just in a really dark hole, thought the ultimate triathlon was going to fix me, for lack yeah. of a better word, but it didn't. It left me physically and mentally broken. Now, I was seeing a psychologist, a psychotherapist, I should say, for my mental perspective to help me improve that. But physically, I was completely broken. My endocrine system stopped functioning how it should, so your hormones. I stopped mm. secreting certain um, hormones. And I was having headaches for the first six hours I was awake. I was sleeping 14 to 15 hours a day. Um, all your cycles were completely turned Everything down. was messed up. So this made me stop because I had no choice. Mm. I could barely walk a mile without feeling absolutely exhausted. And I had to stop and look at every element of my life to assess what was important and what I truly wanted to achieve. 
And were those actually worth the pursuit? Mm. So what I learned was that asking myself the question, what are you waiting for? Right? It's like, what are you waiting for to do this? What are you waiting for in terms of that you want to achieve in your life? It was that you don't need permission to go and do it. So creating this space of me actually stopping encouraged me to look at my life and go, well, okay, what are the things that I really want to achieve? Okay, I want to achieve A, B, and C. Okay, well, why aren't you doing it now? Mm. Why aren't you starting to implement that to go and achieve it? What are you literally waiting for before you start living the life that you want? Because it's your life Mm. and you don't have to justify how you live it to anyone. So that was the most transformational part of my life right now. This was sort of happening in 2016. Okay. And it was just a case of really someone like, it felt like it was shaking me and say, well, what are you waiting for? And who are you waiting for permission from in order to go out and live your life without justification to anyone? What's stopping you from doing that? Hmm. And would that be because my last question is around your recommendations or your final call to actions for leaders who are looking to, I'm going to use the word normalize the conversation around mental health and start creating collective resilience in their team. What what would your call to action be? My call to action would be initially education. Mm. I think, you know, there's mental health, first aid courses out there i've i've done one um, mm. i think they're very helpful for people who don't quite understand what it's like to not go through only personally mental health battles but also see other people who are struggling and how to provide support mm. so not necessarily everyone needs to do it but even those people who are in a point of leadership to go through something like a mental health first aid course to to gain education. Mm-hmm. And the other thing as well is to reassess what performance means to that leader or that team or, mm. or that organization. And and I'm not saying that you know you should restrict your performance to focus on something else, but it's what does performance actually mean? And how can an individual still achieve their personal goals alongside their professional goals? And even so, how can we intertwine that? Because mm. when an individual is taken out of the professional world, do they still view, think, and act in the same way mm. or vice versa? Someone who in their personal life goes to work, do they still view, think, and act in the same way? Do they have the same mindset? Do they approach it in the same way? In an ideal world, you get the same person viewing, thinking, and acting regarding any situation, scenario, outcome in their personal life as mm. well as their professional life because that is their ability to have mental resilience or mm. have their ability to overcome obstacles and adapt to setbacks and see opportunities. So if people aren't shifting from thinking viewing, thinking, and acting one way from their professional lives and then going to something different in their personal lives, that's just going to cause stress. So can we create an environment through education, understanding, and also growth 
in the workplace to mm. not only help people achieve their performance goals from a corporation perspective, but can we provide tools and support to these employees, to these teams within the organizations to encourage them to be who they are at work at the same time as they are at the same person outside of work because the tools that you're providing them as an organ from a as an organization, mm. I should say, they can use them in their daily lives. Mm. Now that would be cool. Yeah. To bring both people back together as one and so that they can show up as they show up, whether it be in the professional life or in their personal life. Exactly. Thank you, Luke. I'm going to leave our listeners with education, growth and guidance, whether it's in personal life or professional life. Luke, thank you so much for coming and sharing your learning, your story and your insights. Where can people find out about more, more about what you do? You can find me at luketybersky.com. That's my website for everything that I do, for keynote talks, for workshops and things like that. Um, you can go there and I'm on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at Luke Tabersky. Come say hi, drop me a note, connect. And if you do have any other questions, feel free to ask. Excellent. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please head over to iTunes and give us your feedback and your review. And it's bye from now from me and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk Transformation. Transformation.